0: week 36 of the aggressive progressive podcast so uh we all know what happened last week the house judiciary committee voted along party lines to impeach the president this week the house will probably do the same where are we go in america let's find out start the show
1: we are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity
0: You and I as citizens have the obligation to shape the debates of our time. Yeah, so um, the lines have been drawn, and they're clearly partisan lines, right? The Democrats are looking at facts and saying this man should no longer be president. The Republicans are ignoring the facts and saying the Democrats really didn't do the process correctly. Now, you know, there are going to be some people who complain that the Democrats probably should have had multiple articles of impeachment and... Uh, You know, they should have spelled out specific crimes, but uh, I think abuse of power captures what's going on here. I mean, the man got on the phone with a foreign leader and asked them to investigate his opponent, whether or not there was a quid pro quo or not, whether or not... Uh, the Ukrainians ever knew that the aid was held up. And by the way, they well were well aware that the aid was being held up. Any suggestion that they weren't is just ridiculous. There are reports, including reports in the New York Post last week, saying that they knew as early as April that the aid was held up. So, uh, you know, when Republicans say, oh, how could there have been bribery when the other side didn't even know they were being bribed? They knew. What do you think? You think the president of Ukraine's an idiot? You think he didn't know at all what was going on? You think he's just a fool? I mean, give me a break. They knew exactly what was going on. But even if they didn't, the part in that transcript, bottom of page three, top of page four, where the president of the United States asked the president of Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden. abuse abusive power. I'm sorry. You want to say that this man has the, that the president has the right to look into corruption? I agree with you. He sure does. And there was a process for that, and the Department of Defense certified that the Ukrainians were in compliance with that process. But the president wasn't really interested in corruption, and all the testimony that came in around it, Sondland, Vindman, Volker, all of it all pointed towards one thing. If the Ukrainian president announced there was an investigation against Joe Biden, that was good enough. They didn't even have to actually do the investigation. All the president really wanted was the announcement because the president wanted to run the same campaign against Joe Biden as he ran against Hillary Clinton. He wanted to call him corrupt because he wants to say everybody's corrupt. At least I'm corrupt for you. That's the guy's, you know, this, this ridiculous. Ridiculous campaign strategy, which worked, by the way, in 2016. I mean, it really does point to how jaded some people in this country have become where that is a winning message. Everybody in politics is corrupt, but at least I'm your guy. By the way, he's not your guy. Conservatives. I, I mean, I know. Look, I know you're listening to this podcast right now. You're probably not a conservative. Maybe you are, maybe you saw me on Fox and you said, let me listen to this, see what this guy's all about. Most of my listeners, I believe are progressives like me. Um, and I really hope you're taking some of the message i messages I'm developing here and trying to use them to convert some of your conservative friends to our side. But it really is a jaded, really jaded, cold play that you're going to point out that everybody's corrupt. So let me destroy Joe Biden with some fake nonsense. You know, I was on um, Martha McAllen's show on Friday night with uh, Spicy, you know, Sean Spicer, and he threw out the, oh, Hunter Biden got $80,000 a month. What experience does he have? And I pointed out to Sean Spicer, you know, if if not having experience was a crime, watching him, on dancing with the stars for I think like eight weeks I mean the guy survived most of the season um you know somebody should be arrested for that right I mean I'm not saying him maybe him I don't know I mean that golden May was pretty <laughs> was pretty spectacular um you know I mean there are a lot of people in America you know look I don't think it's a good look I don't think that Hunter Biden taking that position was a good look and I think we've all acknowledged that. But it's not illegal. It's not a crime. There are a lot of unqualified people. You know, Rudy Giuliani, on the day the, pres- the House Judiciary Committee is voting on impeachment, is walking into the White House with his son who works there. What's his experience to work in the White House at a $100,000 a year job in the White House? What did he do to earn that? You know, you know all this ridiculous talk about it, it's, it's just distraction. And if Joe Biden's the nominee, you're going to hear it every single day. And you know the question is, what are what is Joe Biden going to do to push back on it? I mean, enough of this. I mean, I I look, I, I love Michelle Obama, and I love the speech that she gave at the convention when they go low, we go high. But that's just not it's not going to work against this guy. I'm sorry, you know. I, look, I'm a veteran of the Schumer um, team, right? And um, while I wasn't a major player on his '98 campaign. I didn't start working for him till 99 when he was a senator at the end of 99, beginning of 2000. But what I do remember is that there was a guy named Al D'Amato who won two elections to the United States Senate. The first election he won, um, you know, I just think he came in on the Reagan wave and he won that election. And the second election he won by getting in the mud. And the third election he won, he won by getting in the mud. And then he faced Chuck Schumer and, you know, the, the, the Democrats that ran against D'Amato were afraid to get down in the mud with him. Liz Holtzman never got down in the mud when he, when she, when he first got elected, uh, Bob Abrams, uh, in his last reelection refused to get down in the mud. I can't even remember who he beat, uh, the second time. Um, and then he, then he met up with Chuck Schumer and Chuck Schumer got down the mud. And when there was an opportunity to take a shot at Al D'Amato for any reason, and I'll tell you the reason, uh, Al D'Amato called him a schmuck on TV, and Chuck Schumer capitalized on it and said, you know, you're anti-Semitic. That's an anti-Semitic slur. And that was enough to separate uh, Jewish voters from Al D'Amato. And that was the end of Al D'Amato. And Chuck Schumer is now the minority leader of the U.S. Senate. And Al D'Amato making a pretty comfortable living as a lobbyist. <laughs> so, um, you know, it is what it is. And here we are. We're going to have Donald Trump running for president. He's going to take every cheap shot at every person, whoever the nominee is. If Jesus Christ was the Democratic nominee, Donald Trump would turn him into a sinner. Let me let me explain that to you. It doesn't matter. Jesus Christ would be the devil in Donald Trump's playbook. They'll figure out a way to make him, Jesus, oh, he's a socialist. Look at him giving away all that fish. I'm I'm doing my Chuck Schumer voice. Let me try to do this as as Donald Trump. He's a socialist. You know that Jesus Christ. I don't know if you listen to that sermon on the mouth when he's when he's talking about loving everyone. We're supposed to love the Mexicans when they're trying to invade our border. That's that. That's what would happen if Jesus Christ was the uh, was the nominee. They he'd call him a socialist. Mike Bloomberg, who's you know worth ten times at at least. 10 times. It might be 50 times what Donald Trump is worth. He, If Mike Bloomberg is the nominee, Donald Trump will call him a socialist. So, you know, he's going to call Joe Biden, a guy who took the train to work for 40 years, he's going to call Joe Biden a criminal. No matter what. He is going to use this charisma thing, and he's going to hang it around Joe Biden's neck. Well, meanwhile, his sons are running around the world, making deal after deal after deal. His daughter got patents from China while sitting next to him, the president of China, at a state dinner. Come on, man. We better be using all that stuff. We better be going through Atlantic City and talking to people who he cheated and running ads about those people in Wisconsin and Michigan and Iowa. And, you know, we also better be talking about his sexcapades. And Stormy Daniels. I don't think that stuff's gone. I think we need to be running ads constantly on Facebook about Stormy Daniels and the other porn stars this man paid off. And we got to target them towards evangelicals. Because this guy's got an iron grip on evangelicals. Quote, family value voters. We should, run, we should run ads about this guy speaking at rallies. And just put every curse he's used over the last four years in an ad. And targeted towards family values voters. Every single one. Every time he's ever dropped the F-bomb or said a curse at a rally. I Look, why do I know that this would, would, would be effective? Uh, my mother is an evangelical minister. And she can't stand it when I curse. Okay? So I'm not the president of the United States. And I always point out to my mother, he uses really bad language. And she still supports him at the moment. But you know what? I think if she's bombarded by a thousand ads on Facebook and on the air targeted towards evangelicals with his foul language and you know his affinity for having sex with porn stars I think that uh I think it might be effective I think it could be an effective campaign message He paid off a porn star and a Playboy playmate and I'm not saying they're bad people look I, I look people got to make a living I'm not, I don't judge the way they make their living. What I judge is evangelicals who really had a hard time with Bill Clinton, and rightfully so, on a lot of levels, being okay with this. Just looking the other way. So we've got to bombard them day in and day out with all of his crimes. Not crimes. All of his all of his non Christian behavior. How's that? We've got to bombard them. And I know. You know, look. I'm gonna get a lot of email about this from my left, friend, my left wing friends. Well, you know, we're really above this. No, I'm sorry. I want to win this election. I don't want this man president anymore. And if you're gonna win the election, you got to do what it's gonna to take to win. And you got to point out his flaws, however bad they are, to these people. And if you think that this is old news, you're wrong. Bring it back up, clip it, and put it in. Time. It's time to do that. Don't mess around, because if you mess around, you're going to be left behind. This man will stop at nothing to win. He will go as low as he can go. Again, this whole impeachment thing is about him just trying to get a talking point for the campaign against Joe Biden, who was beating him like a drum. And by the way, still is beating him like a drum in all of these swing states. And if Joe Biden's the nominee, you bet Barisma is going to be, in every commercial they run, even though we know it's fake. I was on with this guy, Tony, uh, I can't remember his, Tony Katz uh, on Friday as well, Friday afternoon. And Tony Katz brought up Barisma and said, Joe Biden got him the job. That's just a complete lie, a complete and total lie that he's making up. They will make stuff up. We've got plenty of true things that we could use against this guy. We've got to use it every second of the day we've got to beat the drum about his infidelity, about his cheating, about his lying, about his cursing, and we've got to target it at the people who he thinks are going to vote. It can't just be about getting our vote out. We've got to do that. But we've got to turn people off to this guy. That's what he did successfully against Hillary Clinton. You know, you might not you might not think he's the greatest guy in the world. I don't. But his campaign was effective. It was effective at turning people off to Hillary Clinton. It didn't necessarily turn people on to him. He's been at forty-two percent forever. He maybe got to forty-five percent in that election. He didn't turn people on to him. He turned them off to her, and they stayed home in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. They stayed home because they're like, "Oh man, those emails. Do I want four years of uh, uh, you know of Jason Chaffetz, you know, running?" Uh, House Oversight Committee hearings against her, which which would have happened. They they said they signaled. I mean, they they were going to impeach her the first day she got into office. The you know Republicans are all crying foul. Oh my God, this is, the Democrats always wanted to impeach him. Republicans were saying in 2016 they would impeach Hillary Clinton on January one before she took office. Okay, let's be clear. Let us be clear, America, when you hear them whining, complaining, and gnashing their teeth about the process and about how Democrats always wanted to impeach her, it's just nonsense. They are projecting. Yeah, there are some people. Al Green wanted to uh, impeach Donald Trump the day Donald Trump got sworn in, and he gave his American carnage speech. By the way, I got to talk for a minute about Hillary Clinton on Howard Stern. Give me a second, though. Yeah, there are a couple people like that that wanted to impeach her, him, him, day one, but Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff and others resisted that they resisted that until it was pretty clear in no uncertain terms that this man was abusing his power and not just abusing his power for anything, abusing his power to help him gain an advantage in the next election, which is what the founders were most afraid of. So I don't know what's going to happen in the Senate. Mitch McConnell says he's coordinated closely with the Trump administration. Are you kidding me? I mean, you're going to actually come out and say that? <laughs> this is this is the this is the Republican Party we live. In. It's not there is no Republican Party. It's the Trump Party. I used to know Republicans when I worked in the Senate, and they were good people. I disagreed with them on how to govern. And we would come to compromises. That got a little bit of what I want, a little bit of what they want. And now it's just Trump. It's Trump. If Trump says it's good, we do it, right? Remember when Republicans were all about free trade? Trump says free trade's bad. So now Republicans say free trade's bad. They have no ideological compass anymore. So there's going to be a trial in the Senate. It's going to be presided over by Chief Justice Roberts. The rules, it takes 51 votes to make a rule in the Senate during this trial. And let's see if any Republicans grow a pair and stand up to this guy. People who do not ever have to run with him again. People like Mitt Romney, others, never have to stand with this guy again. Maybe they can grow a pair and maybe they could stand up to him. And maybe we could have a fair process. Maybe we could have a fair process. I got a great guest for you. Coming up in a few minutes, Sarah Burris from Raw Story. Uh, you, she's been on the show before. She's great. She covers the media. She tweets all day, uh, and uh, always enjoy talking to Sarah. Uh, she's from Oklahoma, lives in D.C., um, and she's fun. She's fun to uh, to talk to. And she's fun to follow on Twitter. She tweets out, you know, she's tweeting like every five minutes. Her job, right? She's at Raw Story. She's tweeting and writing all day long. So she's somebody you might want to uh, you might want to check out on Twitter. But let me just talk for one minute, a couple minutes, about Hillary on Howard Stern. Now, uh, yes, I still listen to Howard Stern. Uh, I know I am a syndicated terrestrial radio host, but I still listen to Howard. He, I grew up with him, and Hillary Clinton spent two and a half hours on the Howard Stern show in a row, no, no commercials, two and a half hours being interviewed by Howard Stern, which I believe is a record for Howard Stern. I don't know that he's ever interviewed people longer than two longer than that. Um, I, I was an advocate for her going on Stern during 2016 because I think his audience is largely made up of those white working class voters who used to be Democrats who now vote Republican for some odd reason. They think that a billionaire who lives in a gold towers better for them than Democrats. Uh, you know, maybe they're, you know, like I, like I've said before, worried about their place in society, that society has changed. And I thought that, uh, if she went on that show, she would show people what I knew about her, you know, being around her a lot. I mean, since 2000, when she ran for Senate in New York and I was an aide to Chuck Schumer, I have a lot of stories, uh, about being around Hillary Clinton and, and talking to Hillary Clinton and watching her work and watching her work with constituents here in New York uh, you know, I you know I saw her out in Suffolk County, which is not exactly a liberal place, and I saw her connect with voters out there. Saw her win that county twice, so it's a you know it's an interesting uh thing, and and it's not something that I think enough people understand is that she's got a real story, and she's worked hard for everything she had, and I thought that that interview with Howard Stern. Uh, really put her in a new light. And I'm not saying I want her to run for president. Don't write me. I Look, I think we're going to have... There's a chance. Look, a couple things can happen, right? I think it's either going to be Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, or an open convention. What? Now you're saying you're going to make a prediction? Yeah, I'm making a prediction. Why? Because I think that Joe Biden, both Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders are both in position to win the early primaries, Right. Joe Biden is right there in Iowa. You know, everybody says Buttigieg is ahead in Biden. Oh, Buttigieg is up by one point in Iowa. Joe Biden has been right in the mix in Iowa from the very beginning, and he's still right in the mix in Iowa. Bernie Sanders is right in the mix in Iowa, right in the mix in Iowa, and right in the mix in New Hampshire, and right in the, in the mix, and actually leading in Nevada. He's nowhere in South Carolina, and I don't expect him to, to come anywhere near South Carolina. Joe Biden is way ahead in South Carolina. If Joe Biden wins Iowa, he's going to be the nominee, period, end of discussion. He's going to win Iowa, and then he's going to roll because he won't lose South Carolina after winning Iowa, and he's really close to New Hampshire. He'll probably win that too. And then he's got Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, game over. Super Tuesday, he'll win all the delegates. Not all of them, but enough to to be the presumptive nominee. Bernie Sanders can do the same thing other than the South Carolina thing. Now there's also a chance that Buttigieg wins Warren, and that they start splitting these early primaries. And if they split these early primaries, and then we go to Super Tuesday, and you got a you know a Bloomberg who's spending a lot of money in Super Tuesday states that these other candidates don't have, Bloomberg's going to take some of those delegates, a lot of those delegates. I mean, he's he's already polling at like nine percent in some polls. He's already at like twenty percent, I think, in California or 10%. 10%. He's a, he's got a high percentage in California. He won't be on any debate stage, which is, you know, a flaw in the process uh that the a flaw in the process that the DNC set up because he should be in the primary. He should be in the debate this week. I mean, he's polling better than Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang, look I know I got a lot of Yang gangers out here, and I like Andrew Yang. I've tried to get him on the show. I think he's an interesting guy, and I think he should be involved in our political discussion. But Andrew Yang is not going to be the Democratic nominee for president. I'm going to put that out there right now. I'm not going to say that about anybody else. I think even Amy Klobuchar, who's making a move in Iowa, has a chance to be the Democratic nominee. Iowa is very fluid, very fluid right now. Could, Could go anywhere. But if Joe Biden wins it, he's going to be the nominee. And I I don't know that I could say that about anybody else, but Bernie, right? I think the other states kind of get all split up, but Bernie seems to be in position in the early states in a way that only Joe Biden is. So flip of a coin, uh, if one of those two win those early states and goes on a run, it's all over. If they're split up three or four ways, the early states open convention. And yes, that brings me back to Hillary. I don't think Hillary Clinton's going to be the nominee for president. I don't think an open convention is going to pick Hillary Clinton. I don't know who they're going to pick, but I don't think it's going to be her. It might not be anybody running right now. So it's a very fluid situation and I am not panicking about that. I actually think that puts a lot of interest on these candidates. I also think it gives the president less time to attack them and formulate a strategy on how to beat them, which their strategy is. You know, attack, attack, break down, break down, break down. And if we just get our nominee in July, you know, a little late, a little late gives you a little time to kind of figure out what to do and to develop your strategy and uh, the Democrat, that is, the president's going to be behind the eight ball and people don't really start paying attention again till, ju- till September. You know, if we have a nominee in May, you know, people are still paying attention in May and you're attacking, attacking, attacking. Summer comes, people don't really pay attention. Remember, we are only concerned, I don't know, about 500,000 voters in about six states. And you think they're paying attention in August? Probably not. They'll pay attention to an open Democratic convention, though. I bet you they will. I bet you they will. But Hillary on Howard Stern was something to see, hear, something to hear. You can watch it too if you got the app. Um, My favorite part, and it's been out there, is when she talked about uh, being at the Trump inaugural and hearing that American carnage speech. And at the end of the speech, George W. Bush just turned to her and said, well, now that was some crazy S. Well, I guess I could say I'm on my podcast. That was some crazy shit. She said it, (laughs) you know, and it was on NBC. So I guess it's okay. And it was the president. I'm quoting George Bush. So don't, you know, don't write me, write him. I mean, it was, and it still has been. The man never made an attempt to reach out to anyone other than his base. So we're in for a wild ride the next couple of weeks, America. We're going to have this impeachment uh, trial in the Senate. Uh, I saw a New Jersey congressman left the party over the weekend. Good riddance, idiot. (laughs) I mean, give me a break. I mean, I got it. You saw a poll that said you will lose your primary and you said, all right, let me do my best to keep my, keep my job. I, I always think that people should, you know, pick a hill to die on when they're in you know, these elected offices. The founders never wanted you to be a congressman forever, never wanted you to make a career out of this. He wanted people to come and go from politics, and if, if taking a hard vote makes the voters leave you, so be it. This is a republic, not a democracy, right? We are not here to do the exact will of the people. We are here to do what's right. That is what you're here for. It's a republic if you can keep it. And, if, and people that switch their parties because they think they've got trouble getting reelected, well, you know, that's just a sign of weakness. That's a sign of not understanding why you're there, having no clear understanding of what a republic is. And it never works out in the long run, right? You might even win your reelection once, but nobody ever trusts you once you switch parties. You're never going to be trusted by Republicans. It'll be easy for you to be primaried. And it'll be in the Republican primary. And it'll be even easier for a Democrat to beat you because there's just no trust. And it is a redistricting year in New Jersey. And this isn't going to help you there either. All right. Let's talk to Sarah Burris right after this break. You are listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. And I'll be right back. I got a really good guest with me right now Sarah Burris, she is a reporter for Raw Story Rawstory.com She's at Sarah Burris on Twitter And she has been on the Chris Han Show before so, But she's new to you in the new markets, I think Sarah, how you doing? How the heck are you? I'm, man, I'm I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I, I I forgot my plugs. I'm on I'm on TV a lot. Just follow me on Twitter at Christopher Hahn. <laughs> my agent's like, plug! You got to plug the podcast. You got to plug your appearances. Do it every segment. I mean, these segments now. I used to do twenty minute segments. Now the longest segment's ten minutes and five seconds. So it's you know it's Holy easy man. it's easy peasy baby, easy peasy. Especially when there's so much to talk about.
1: Yeah, especially you know with the hearings going on, it's just nonstop insanity, and it seems like everybody's just yelling at each other. And um, I'm just kind of over it, you know. Like I'm ready for a holiday break and uh, a lot of carbs myself. I but. I gotta tell
0: you, I I have been uh, back on the carbs for the last like three weeks or so, and uh, it feels so good. But oh, I know, wow. I know it's going to end <laughs> very soon. Yeah, I know There's that. So
1: much, only so much pie and mashed potatoes that you can. I,
0: I, I'm done with pie. I'm. D- oh, although I will tell you this, Sarah, before we get into politics. So, I, I, uh, before I came to the studio today, I went to the mall, as is uh, the custom of my people during the holidays. Uh, <laughs> I went to the mall and I was uh, doing my preliminary shopping, and I said, oh, I saw a Popeyes, and I was like, Oh, I wonder what's all what all that fuss is about that. Chicken sandwich they have there at Popeyes, so I went and I had one. And I got to tell you, it was delicious. <laughs> so, yeah, it was
1: delicious. I mean, the best thing about Popeyes is you get uh, a biscuit and slaw with every purchase. I, I
0: did not get a biscuit and slaw. I did get slaw. I bought that. That was my side. But I did. Uh, but I did. I did get that chicken sandwich, and it was delicious. It was good. I mean, I don't know that. I don't know that I would kill somebody for it. Um,
1: yeah, there was a dude in Texas that killed somebody for it. killed somebody for, for a chicken. For sake.
0: Amazing, right? I yeah. I, I would I, I would eat it again, uh, but probably only for the next three weeks.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't get me wrong, Pop Guys does a heck of a lot better than the Hate Chicken, but uh, yeah,
0: but, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how much
1: fried food
0: I can eat. I I gotta I gotta cut that out. That's not something I would eat every day, but it was it was pretty good, pretty 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 good. Let's just put it that way. So, uh, so you know, let's get back to reality here. Uh, impeachments going on. You know, you cover the media, and um, how do you think the media has been handling this?
1: Uh, it depends. Like sometimes I feel like that's my answer every time I talk to you. It's always just like, some people do it well, some people are not doing it well. My favorite thing last night is when you flip over to Fox News, you know, they didn't even they weren't even showing it. Right. Uh, for a while, they weren't even showing it in like a little, uh, I call it the dancing monkey screen, you know, if you have like the dancing yeah, monkey. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 the little corner, corner screen, screen yeah.
1: That, the little box. Um, they did finally po- get a, a little box in the corner of the screen, but I don't understand what the purpose of that is. Like what, you're just going to see like, you know um, um, Doug Collins just getting up in uh, the camera's face right what, what's the point of that I think you um, keep
0: it on just to see if Matt Gates or uh or Jim Jordan start speaking then you gotta watch right because that's ben, that's entertainment
1: yeah, the, <laughs> Fox is like oh no we gotta we gotta click over we gotta click over so um yeah but these guys it's all table pounding it's all screaming at you and um, I mean, I I don't know if they're doing that intentionally. I wonder, honestly, if, if this is a ploy for if you just scream at the camera enough, it'll turn people off and they're like, I'm not going to watch this.
0: I think that's what um, they're doing. I think they are trying like, to turn people off.
1: I would not be surprised at all. But I feel like that's really stupid because they're not winning any arguments here. Um, I mean, the, the biggest thing that I keep noticing is that Republicans are not defending the president right they're they're doing everything else they're trashing democrats trashing the witnesses um they're talking about the ig report which is not even what we're talking about in in the impeachment hearing they're talking about literally everything that they can come up with except for defending the president based on what he did
0: they're saying you've wanted to impeach him since day one i'm i'm sorry obama you know how many times republicans one-off filed impeachment resolutions against Obama. Like, every single day, Willie Gomer, Louie Gomer, I keep calling him Willie gomer yeah. Louie Gomer the- kept filing those articles of impeachment against Obama, and now he's up there, he has the audacity to say, you just don't like us! You just don't like us! Come on, and then,
1: man. man! And then the stupid idiot says, I mean, I want to say it was like, what, well, like the... Maybe yesterday or the day before he just decided this is going to we're going to say now that if Joe Biden gets elected as the president, that we're going to impeach him. It's like you announced it two years,
0: man. Sarah, they said that before, too. They said that about Hillary. They said during the campaign, Jason Chaffetz said during the campaign, he was the chairman of the House Oversight Committee at the time. He said. I will be filing articles of impeachment the day after she gets elected okay just let's let's be clear here how who these people are and what they're saying it is it is disturbing to me that that every network on TV doesn't replay that soundbite yeah I mean it was part of their argument for not electing her and it was by the way I think that might have been one of their most successful arguments that there will be nothing but investigations if you elect Hillary Clinton.
1: Which is ridiculous because it's what we've seen with Donald Trump. I mean, at least Hillary Clinton knew how to not break the law.
0: Yeah. At least Hillary Clinton probably would have known how to run a country uh, and would have respected NATO. (laughs) You know, I mean, who would have thought that we'd have a Republican president that made NATO controversial?
1: Yeah. I mean, talk about the bigotry of low expectations. Now we just want somebody who's going to uphold the existing relationships that we have. Yeah. the the rest of the industrialized
0: world. Yeah, I mean, this guy thinks that everything will be better if we have a good relationship with Russia. Russia has the economy like smaller than Tennessee and Europe, you know, has an economy collectively that rivals ours. And it's a, it is amazing to me that he doesn't even see that, that we should be forging a stronger relationship with Europe to compete with China and Russia's not even a, Russia's not even a player anymore. They should be isolated. But,
1: you know, I think it's these oligarchs if they can give him money then yeah. that's enough for
0: him. Yeah, they bought apartments from him so he likes them, you know. He yeah. you know, he's trying to build that Moscow tower. He's still trying to build that Moscow tower, I think. It's it's Ugh. it's. I, I what do you make of it? Where does it end? Is there any hope, Sarah? Tell me, please.
1: You know, I I was hopeful in telling at the the Brexit numbers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because you're just like, "Hey guys, You've seen what happened. You have an alternative. And yet they still voted for Boris Johnson. And you're like, y'all deserve this.
0: I think Jeremy Corbyn's the problem, right? And he's like a, he's like a anti-Semite. There are liberals that just won't vote for him because he's an anti-Semite. How do they keep that man as their leader? I mean, now maybe at least they'll get rid of Jeremy Corbyn, right? Like Jeremy Corbyn's got to go, right? He's got to go at this point. I mean, Boris Johnson probably helped himself by laughing at Donald Trump last week. That probably helped him. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, it was, it was, I felt bad for Donald in that moment, but I was thinking about it. This guy's got an election coming up. He's sitting there with the other cool kids laughing at Donald Trump. I, I think that helped them, but at least you get rid of Jeremy Corbett. Maybe you get a charismatic leader in the liberal movement. That is not an anti-Semite that might be able to help unify that party and bring some people back into the fold. Plus the travesty that's going to be Brexit. Uh, is going to be amazing. I'm supposed to be in London in April, so <laughs> see. Oh, damn. See how that goes. See how that goes. But it, it is, it is surprising, and it it is you know Brexit was a, I mean it was like a canary in a coal mine for us a couple of years ago. Let's hope it's not the same situation again.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I I looked at the what was it? I think it was Wisconsin numbers. Um, Biden against Trump is still. Uh, Biden would still win in Wisconsin, but not by much. It's within the margin
0: of error. Yeah, well, we got to make sure people vote in Wisconsin. I mean, that's the key, right? I mean, so few people turned out. The turnout numbers in Wisconsin and Michigan were, in Michigan particularly, were, were pitiful. And if we could just get that Obama coalition out, and I, I think it's going to be easier this time. All right, these transitions are harder now that I'm using these smaller segments on my radio show. I take the interview from the radio show. So if you're listening to me in one of these other markets, you uh, get it here. So here's part two of Sarah Burris. So uh, the president tweeted a lot today. Um, and I I believe, and you, you tell me, was this a record?
1: This is a record. Today was a record. And um, one of my favorite things that you should look up uh, if you folks are on the Twitters is Phil Bump with the Washington Post did a really great graphic of just the sheer volume of tweets over time. Right. So you see that the the more we get into this impeachment scandal, the more tweets there are and the more he seems to be I say he's flailing. Um he, he's just outright freaking out on Twitter. It's yeah. happening in real time and you can see it just with the preponderance of tweets, hate ridiculous. tweeting,
0: anger tweeting or what do you, what would we call it? Stress tweeting? He's stress tweeting.
1: Yeah, he's stress-tweeting. He should be stress-eating because, you know... Well, I think he that...
0: does... I, you know, I don't want to fat-shame him or anything, but he clearly is doing that, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I should talk. I just did 10 minutes on my trip to Popeyes today, and I didn't even talk about the apple pie I had.
1: But it was... So. But yeah, no, it was a crazy day of, of insanity, and I didn't start uh, work today until about 10 o'clock, and so I woke up to just a phone explosion of all of these tweets yeah just ridiculous I was like dude you gotta calm the hell down what somebody give the man a clonopin.
0: what would you say was the craziest thing you saw him say today
1: um I guess that I honestly he's been doing a bunch of retweets and one of the retweets that really bothers me is this notion I think it was from Jim Jordan it's this idea that Somehow um, he has been fighting corruption internationally. Like that's been his yeah. issue, his, yeah. his huge, most important issue to him that he's been talking about since he you know, started campaigning in 2015. And so I was like, OK, I've done this now or I've dealt with this idiot since 2015. I've right. been watching him for a really long time.
0: Right, right.
1: I have the tweets on my phone. I feel like I would notice.
0: Right. Me, too. But, I've been following him for years. And And
1: sure enough, if you go search on Twitter for the first time, he mentioned Ukraine. And uh, I think you go back to um, it starts at like September 9th or something. Right. And the time before that, it was the end of May of this year and before that in February. So two tweets before um, before Zelensky was even elected.
0: Wow. Right.
1: And not one of them mentioned corruption. Not Not one.
0: one. Not one. Not one. And by the way, he's such a big corruption fighter. I love how he's pointing that out to MBS, who, you know, had one of his citizens killed, a U.S. resident killed in their embassy. Where's that corruption fighting? How about corruption in Russia? (laughs) Yeah. When are you going
1: to start fighting corruption in Russia? Hell, when are you going to start fighting corruption in your own damn cabinet?
0: Right. Right. You got Rick Perry going to Ukraine and getting deals for his buddies. I mean, it is insane that any like that they would even pick up on that and say, "Oh, the president is a corruption fighter." Really? I, I, I... Well,
1: Betsy DeVos. Oh my god, she hacked me off big time this week because you know she got fined a hundred million, was it a hundred thousand dollars? That's what it was um, for uh, trying to make kids pay these predatory loans and all these scam loans that they got signed up for. And the court told her, you're not supposed to do this. Like, there's already been this saying that passed. You can't keep sending these people letters. And so she, the Department of Education did it anyway. Um, she was held in contempt. And the department got fined $100,000, which means you and I, the taxpayer, are paying for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, That's Betsy. So Betsy, you and know, Betsy's week, so rich, she should just pay it herself, right? She's probably got yeah. that between her couch cushions anyway, $100,000.
1: this week, we find out she did it again. <sighs> And I'm like, great, so we're going to have to pay another $100,000 fine for your incompetency. It's amazing
0: that the only corruption these people see are corruption that doesn't exist with their political opponents, right? I mean, now, I admit that uh, Hunter Biden's uh, position was not a good look, but, you know, being uh, unqualified for a job is not a crime. And there's been no evidence that there was any criminal activity there. And they're talking about, they were talking about how Democrats signed a letter about something years ago. You know who else signed the letter about something years ago? Republicans signed a a letter asking for that uh, prosecutor that Joe Biden got fired to be fired. So are we asking them?
1: Yeah, it wasn't just Democrats and Republicans in the United States. It was the entire international community wanted this guy gone. Yeah. Yeah, Hunter Biden, not entirely the most ethical behavior at all. Thank God he stepped out of the um, the position. And I think Joe Biden, um, in terms of his position, he said outright, like, I'm not, my family will not have any kind of, of access to any of this stuff. Like, I'm just saying, blanket across the board. My kids aren't going to be working in the administration for me. Um, I'm not going to let, you know, everybody in the family be on famous boards or whatever right. that where are going pocket a whole bunch of cash. I think that's the way you deal with it. It has to be a black or white issue because otherwise you're going to end up with somebody like Trump who's like, well, they're not getting paid.
0: Right, so, right. Um, yeah, no, no, they're not getting it. Like, Don Jr. And, and Eric are just doing it out of the goodness of their heart right now. And Ivanka's, yeah, patents don't, uh, Ivanka's patents were completely won on the merit in China the day she was sitting there with the president of China and got those patents. Everything's cool. All right, I got about a minute and a half left with you quick impression about the democratic primary and what do you see I mean Joe Joe Biden's holding on in this primary I mean it's it, I thought he was goners for a while but he's looking like he's sticking around uh there're only about there're only going to be 7 on that stage the debate stage in a couple weeks what's your take
1: I'm grateful that there're only going to be 7 on the debate stage and I feel bad that I don't care who all it is at this point I'm just so sick of having 20 people on the debate stage um yeah me too really, I'm I'm glad we can actually be having conversations about issues beyond five second, 10 second, 15 second sound bites. Yeah. Um, that'll be refreshing. Uh, I noticed recently it seems like there's been a huge uptick on attacks uh, on Elizabeth Warren, which it, I feel like is a little bit weird. It, it seems is like weird. some of the um, people who were anti Bernie last time. Uh, or, no, no, the people that were pro-Bernie last time are now anti-Warren, and that seems very strange to me, because mm. that seems like an alliance that would be perfect.
0: I wonder who those people really are on Twitter that are anti-Warren, that used to be pro-Bernie. I wonder what country they live in. Maybe not they here. could
1: be Russian bots, you know? Yeah,
0: it's amazing how these people are still around. Or these not people. These things are still around out there that are doing these things, but... It is is insane. It's going to be an interesting look. I'd trade. uh, I'd like Booker to be there instead of Yang, but who? what do I know? Sarah Burris, catch her on Raw Story, at Raw Story on Twitter, rawstory.com, at Sarah Burris. Sarah, thank you for joining me. All right. Well, I hope you like Sarah. She's always great. Check her out on Raw Story. And I'm back here to wrap it up. So, yeah, so we are heading that way right in time, just in time for the holidays, something you've always wanted to fight with your family about, impeachment of Donald J. Trump. Act now, and we'll throw in, is white nationalism really that bad? Uh, I mean, America, it's going to be a fun holiday season. Don't talk about this with your family over the holidays. Save it. New Year's is going to be plenty of time. We're going to have an election. It's going to be a grueling couple of months. I I, you know, I, I talked about this on my radio show uh, last week. My daughter had her chorus chorus concert last week, and they sang that song uh, Pompeii, uh, and the walls come tumbling down in the city that I love, 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 that we love, 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 love. And um, dark clouds coming in over the hills, bringing darkness from above. But if I close my eyes, it seems like nothing's changed at all. So I'm going to give you permission for like two weeks at the end of the year to close your eyes and pretend that nothing's changed at all. But as of January 2nd, put your helmet on. Get ready. Um, you know, we've got some some fighting to do in the new year. And I'm not talking about physical fighting. Please don't write me. I don't want any of that. But we've got some debating to do. It is going to be a hard march from January all the way through November in this country. And it's going to get really dark in this nation in January. I mean, look, if you think that the uh, conservative movement in this country um, hasn't been making their opponents the enemy uh, already, wait. I mean, the demonization, this is why, you know, I, I got into a huge Twitter fight over the weekend with Bernie Carrick. Many of you probably don't even know who he is. He was the uh, police commissioner in New York. He almost became George W. Bush's secretary of Homeland Security until it turned out he was going to go to jail. And he did go to jail. Uh, He spent four years in prison for felonies, including tax evasion and other things. And that's what he pled to, by the way. He was indicted on numerous felony charges. He's been going on TV talking about how liberals have no respect for law and order. This guy, this guy who is a convicted felon, goes on TV talking about law and order. I debated him once on this, uh, and I haven't debated him since, but I was sitting in the chair getting ready to go on the air on um, Friday night, and I guess he was. they had pre-taped his segment and they were playing it back, and it was in my ear, and I just heard him talking, and it just drove me nuts. So over the weekend, somebody said something about law and order, law and order, and I was like, these guys, man, enough. You are talking about, they, they're making this threat that communities where people have been, you know, protesting certain tactics by the police or certain incidents you know, involving police officers, maybe they won't get police protection in the future. And, and Bernie Kerrick is one of these people pushing this. This is a, a convicted felon talking about how other people, people who are exercising their First Amendment right, right to protest, um, you know, uh, shouldn't get police protection. It, it, it's, it's beyond me, right? I mean, they're protesting in some cases... You know, policies that Bernie Carrick was squarely behind, like stop and frisk. But of course, you know, Carter Page should not have been surveilled right? So they're, they're all over the map. They're completely inconsistent. They use it when it, when it, when it works for them. And, you know, I have a lot of respect for men and women in law enforcement. They have a very dangerous job. They could die at any moment. They could be shot at any moment, just at a routine traffic stop. You see these guys, uh, you know, lose their lives. I've worked with them. You know, when I was chief deputy county executive of Nassau County, we had a police department, you know, 5,000 of the bravest people I've ever met in my life. And I have a lot of respect for them, but every group of people have their bad apples. And Bernie Carrick clearly was one of them. And now he's on TV talking about how people who are standing up to the bad apples, the few bad apples and saying, Hey, we've got to do more about the bad apples. We recognize that 99.9% of all people in law enforcement do the right thing all the time and follow the rules and respect the people who they are serving uh, and protecting. We recognize that. But we want to make sure that we have adequate protection against that 0.1%. Bertie Carrick, of course, trying to get pardoned by Donald Trump, right? This is what he wants. He wants a pardon from Donald Trump. So he's going on TV saying that it's liberals' fault that cities have police have crime problems. That's what he's doing. Even though, you know, I, I live just outside of New York City. I work in New York City. Uh, New York City is a wonderful place. Don't let anybody tell you it's not. It's a wonderful place that is very safe. So is San Francisco, by the way. I'm getting a lot of tweets about, oh, San Francisco is a shithole. No, it's not, and you can't afford to live there. And there's problems in San Francisco. There's some, definitely, some definite problems of income inequality, and there's a homelessness problem in San Francisco. And that's something that I believe that the state of California and San Francisco and the federal government should all be working together to solve. Instead, conservatives want to say, oh, it's the liberals' fault. Is it? Is it only the liberals' fault? Could some of the programs that have been cut by Trump led to some more of the homelessness in this country? Maybe we should all work together to try to solve the problems instead of pointing figures. But anyway, my fight with Bernard Carrick, this brave man, Bernie Carrick, who for some reason is going on TV to talk about law and order issues and law enforcement issues, a man who's a felon, a convicted felon, talking about how others don't respect law and order, I'm sorry, were you respecting law and order when you were committing your felonies, Mr. Carrick? Anyway, I pointed that out on Twitter over the weekend and he blocked me. What a brave soul. What a brave soul Bernie Carrick is. What a great, proud, brave man. He's a whiny little cur a whiny little cur who's going on TV dancing for a pardon that he doesn't deserve cuz he committed the crime. And I get it. You had a career where you weren't always doing bad things. You probably did a lot of good things, Bernie. I'm not saying you didn't. But don't be going on television. You want to get you want to you want to get a pardon? Start doing good for America and then ask for a pardon. Don't go on TV and be a political hack and say that's how I'm going to get my pardon. Cuz that's nonsense. That's absolute nonsense. And you know it. You know exactly what you're doing. You've probably been asked to do that. By your former boss, Rudy Giuliani. Are you helping him in the Ukraine? Maybe that'll help you get your pardon. I don't know, Bernie. I don't know. But you know what? You should be able to take criticism. You shouldn't be blocking me. I wasn't saying anything that wasn't true about you. I was asking you, how dare you? How dare you insult entire cities? How dare you threaten entire cities with losing police protection because you don't like some of the things they say. Maybe you shouldn't have police protection because of some of the things you did. Clearly disrespecting the laws of this country. It's nonsense. And this is what they're going to do. They're going to try to drive these wedges between us this entire year, whether it's this Bernie Kerrick stuff. They're going to say you're socialist. They're going to say Democrats can't run cities. Okay, nonsense, ridiculous. We've got to fight back hard, and that's why I sent those tweets, and that's why he blocked me, and that's why I'll keep doing it on this aggressive progressive podcast till the election's over, and even beyond because you know it's a podcast, right? Keep it going. Do it on my radio show too, which is coming to a bunch of more markets. We we you know I, I gave the announcement about about, um, uh, San Francisco and Gainesville and Orlando in addition to my Long Island market. But looks like we've got six additional markets. I'm not allowed to announce them yet. Uh, but, but four of them are in a major swing state. So I'm really looking forward to that. I mean, I have two in a major swing state now, and I might be adding a third in that swing state. Uh, but I have, uh, I have four coming on board in a major swing state. And then another on the West, uh, two more on the West Coast. So I'm really excited about that. And I really appreciate you guys telling your friends about this podcast. Keep it up and uh, call your local radio station. Tell them you want The Chris Hahn Show uh, if you don't get it where you are. And thank you. And once again, I got to remind you as always to seek the truth. Question everyone and everything, America, even me. Seek the truth. I know you'll find it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening, America, to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast.